Hello and welcome to Open All Ours. Um, I'm not David Fraser and I'm definitely not Flo Lloyd Hughes, but I shall give it my best shot. Um, I'm Chris and I'm joined by said Flo Lloyd Hughes. Hello, Chris. Good to see you in your bed, as always. <laughs> yes, uh, well, we'll, come, we'll come to it in a minute. Um, Paul Finney, hello. Yeah, it's just a bit weird seeing you in bed. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's get this out of the way. I'm not in bed. I'm, 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 it's basically the only room in the house where I'm not likely to get disturbed. Because it's not surprised. For the record, I'm fully clothed and I'm, lying, I'm sitting on top of the bed. Um, <laughs> hopefully it'll be the first time or last time you see me in bed, Paul. Um, and last but not least, Rich Lloyd. Good evening. How are you doing? Hi, Rich. I believe when you're not... Uh, being a QPR fan, you're the leader of Aylesbury Town Council. There's posh, <laughs> um, posh to a degree, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, that, that's not a full-time job, though. Uh, it's not. No, I'm. So I'm. A, it's a town council position. Okay. But so you're, you're, sorry, parish. Oh, what? Sorry. A, a large parish. Okay. Still, still pretty, pretty impressive. Um, and I believe you're on a mission to get Aylesbury Town back into Aylesbury. Is that right? Uh, Aylesbury United. Yeah. So, sorry. Uh, that's okay. They they, oh, they won't they won't thank you for calling them Aylesbury Town, but um, they've uh, yeah no they haven't played in the town since two thousand and six. So uh, trying to work on finding them somewhere to play. Brilliant, and that's a great QPR themed office you got there, Rich. Is, is that done specially for our benefit? It does look like it, doesn't it? That's uh, Gareth Ainsworth top for my thirtieth birthday, so that's his match shirt from that day, and uh, the other one has got some interesting signatures on it. The good one is Stan Bowles. It's also can very clearly read Brett Angel at the top there as well. So uh, oh. it's a bit of a mix. But I've on that got one. that shirt. I've got that shirt. It really reminds me of Danny Shitty, that shirt, because it's just yep. such a wide, like, big fit. And it's just, yeah, it just screams Danny Shitty to me. You could get three of me in there. But yeah, Danny yeah exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, well, it's certainly better than my bed setting anyway. Um, so before we go on, um, you can you can find the podcast at the usual places: Twitter, uh, Facebook, um, and on iTunes. And uh, Terry Haynes, thank you for sponsoring the episode. And also Char- Charlie Launder, who bought the beers. Great name, that, isn't it? Charlie Launder sounds like the bloke who washes the cash in a gangster movie. Um, but anyway, thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Terry. Um, um, okay, we're going to break with tradition. We're not going to start with a game. Uh, I thought we'd just have a little reflection on last week's podcast, which uh, there was some very strong and positive reaction to that. Um, and to Paul, David, and Clive talking about a number of issues, not least of all cyberbullying. Now, Flo, you were sort of unwittingly central to that podcast, despite actually being on it. How did, how did you feel listening back to it? Yeah, um, I think it's sort of, a, I guess, a preview to my ours end, but it was obviously really nice to hear those guys say some kind words and kind of have my back and, and stand up for me, which I always kind of knew anyway, but obviously um, it's, it, is hard, it is a hard thing to go through and I don't, I, I don't take these things personally often and I, I normally do literally just press block straight away, which is often what you have to do with some of these people. But some of the stuff from last week did hit me quite hard and I think it's, it's probably a fact as well about what's going on in the, round, in the world around us and, and the state of the world I find quite hard to deal with at times and I think that kind of feeds in, into it and everything we're going through with the pandemic and stuff. So it was, yeah, it, I was really touched and, and some of the messages as well that people have sent um, since in support was all really nice. So thank you to everyone who reached out and thanks to everyone who continues to kind of send kind words and, and also support us on the podcast because sometimes it is quite draining doing this and it's not rewarding at times when you just do get a berate of, of social media abuse, but we do it because we all love QPR and we love whining about how crap they are at times. So um, yeah, we'll continue to do that regardless, probably. I think it's, it's further. If they, it's, if people want to pick on Flo, I know Flo will mind me saying this. She doesn't give a rat's ass 
about her, if people have a go at her opinions or give a go at she, what they think she doesn't know or know about it. The rest of it is about football. But the other stuff is out of order. It's wrong. And someone made a great point. Um, one of the American New York guys of like, would they say it to somebody who was in their family? No, they freaking wouldn't. Why they think they can say it to someone like Flo? I don't know. And hopefully they never will again. You can call it shite. You can say we talk rubbish. You can do all that. That's fine. But the other stuff, just, 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 just wrong. Sorry, just thought. Then that, but it's absolutely no problem to support Flo because I've seen Flo almost drunk in Port, Portsmouth, so it's fine. I've Flo almost drunk in Portsmouth as well. Um, so, and no response from our big brave keyboard warrior, I take it. Um, uh, so hopefully he's. This is what annoys me, though. Why don't they just use their real names? I've got no problem with people. I'm not that sensitive. I mean, Christ, am I? I'm an idiot. Um, and I don't mind people having a go at me, but use your own name, do it. And, you know, that's fine. No one no one has to like us. No one has to say nice things about us. But, you know, and, and feedback is great. But sometimes it, things like that just go way over the top and it's just unnecessary. Sorry for ranting. End of rant. Not at all, mate. Not at all. And Flo, I'd just like to add, I mean, I think you know that it, I've obviously got your back as well. And I think, as you've seen, you've got the backing of, um, of, well, I haven't seen anyone you haven't got the backing of within the Cumbion community and beyond that as well. There was one other email we got through from uh, somebody who wanted to re- remain anonymous. She said, I think you all sound like well, you needed a couple of beers. Best wishes to you all. Please don't mention my name. Thanks. I always enjoy listening, although you made me cry this week, which was, um, which was quite touching. And, and, and Richard, I don't know if you listened to, the, to last week's episode, but I'm sure you'll sort of concur with what we yeah, I did. I did listen. In fact, David had asked me to go on last week, and I, I, I do feel like I dodged a bullet a bit there. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know uh, Flo personally, but you know, I, I read her stuff, and I, I think one of the comments I'd made to her was that, you know, the the, the people that are, are, you know, being nasty and 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 what have you, that there are probably, you know, there's a great many more people out there who probably don't necessarily appear to interact with what people say, but you know, they read it, they appreciate it, and they move on. You know, you, the the vast majority of people, I still like to believe are are fairly good and and I know you referenced me being kind of the leader of Aylesbury Town Council earlier but certainly through this pandemic you know I've seen the good that people are doing out in society and they're not all on Twitter they're not all on Facebook they're not all on social media and actually most people are fairly uh, are fairly decent people and as long as we keep calling out the wrong ones and making sure we call them out and not giving them the oxygen of, of continuing then you know we can we can continue pushing forward you know my biggest problem with Flo is and I'm I'm going to be honest with you her family take up most of the ground it's ridiculous I've never known anyone with so many family members I mean how the hell you get numbered for sorting them tickets out is, is unbelievable you, you do a very oh, good job the, the admin or honestly the admin that I get lumped with drives me insane but anyway that's enough of my family tree Chris let's crack on <laughs> Okay, I would well. point out that uh, of the Lloyd element of my name, it's no relation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not, not another one, please. No. And, and just Flo, just to clear it before we move on, you're not related to Mark of the same uh, second part of the surname, are you? No, never heard of him. Good. Okay, let's get into Middlesbrough then. Um, so most of the focus going into this game was on a, on a bloke who wasn't actually going to be there, our beloved Neil Warnock, who was... Um, had the dreaded coronavirus, so thankfully he's on the mend. Um, but and apparently he wasn't too happy missing the game. You can sort of imagine that and picture him being told that he wouldn't be allowed to go. Um, uh, obviously, wish him all the best, but I guess in some ways the fact he wasn't there helped us, Paul. I think so. I mean, as in he's not able to bark instructions to his team, you know, to, to get to get. I, I, I guess, I guess the um, the assistant referee and the. The Lionels and everyone else probably had a, a much easier day, I suppose. But yeah, they were, they were quite niggly, weren't they? I mean, it was a strange old game because it was um, fits and starts. They, they, they were certainly kicking us quite heavily, which is a, a, a nil trait, as we know well. And um, we didn't kick them back, in my opinion, enough. I think we're still a bit too nice. We need to, to um, get stuck in a bit sometimes and more than get booted around the park. I mean, it was strange because... I kind of look at the score down and I think if, if Borough had took the chance, that could have been really bad. And I mean really bad. Um, but, you know, Hull missed two great chances before he took up his 70 you know, before he, he hobbled off the pitch like we knew was going to happen. 
And um, then the other guy who headed the, the ball into the turf rather than making contact and things like that. Amos's shot was pretty weak. It was more a back pass than a shot. So it was... It's going to be like that, I guess. You watch all these games. Everyone's trying to adapt to this new normal, whatever the hell that is. And um, everyone's sort of defence is a bit at sea, but our defence, I guess, has always been a little bit at sea. And um, I don't know, does anyone think there's some green shoots in that defence? Or is it just me that's sort of still panicking a wee bit? I think Osman Kakai, my brother, I was, I was just chatting to my brother earlier and we were trying to think of some positives and he said... We couldn't think of any. And then he just sent me a text saying, Osman Kakai, that's a positive. And I think that is a positive. Being at the club since he was seven, we've locked him down on a new long-term deal. Really was a bright spark of the, the restart and there wasn't much to be positive about with that. And I think he's performed fairly well these first couple of games, scored in that Plymouth game. So I think he's, a, he's something to look forward to. I think there's a lot of pressure on Rob Dickey and I think I've probably in my head put a lot of pressure on him just because we've spent money on him so I think we do expect a lot but at the same time he's still quite young for a defender and so I think yeah maybe maybe there is a bit too much expectation but I would like to see why he was voted Oxford's player of the year I want to see that and maybe there is a bit too much pressure on him to bring the goods quickly in a step up for him so yeah, I think Kokai maybe is the brightest spark of that defence at the moment. He was involved in the goal as well. So, uh... Yeah, carry on, Rich. I was just going to say, I probably would have taken a point from that game. But, I mean, I thought we'd lose to Forest and beat Coventry. So, I guess we're where I thought we would be. Just, 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 just the opposite way around. OK, Rich, we'll bring you in. So, you obviously watched the game as well. Um, yeah. What did you make of it? And, you know, I, I think Clive said in his piece that he wrote for Loffer Words that He's actually more nervous now when we get a, a, a corner than a penalty. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't much of a game, really, was it? Um, but you know, we didn't lose, which I guess is a positive. And you know, as you said, you know, the order of, of the game so far that we've won one, drawn one, lost one. You know, if we come out of the season probably having that record across the piece, we'll have probably done all right. There's there's not a lot of depth if. Bright go happened to go before the transfer window, or something happened to Lyndon Dykes. You do you do worry about you know where where the things are going to come from up front, and then well, the defence has been covered at length. But yeah, Kakai is definitely a a positive. You know, I don't think anybody would have expected partway through last season that he'd have been first choice right back going into this year. Um, and I thought it was interesting having you know we've seen Wallace again on the other side, and I think that possibly helps us not get around the back although I don't know what he's doing he keeps seems to let the ball bounce in front of him which doesn't yeah he looked he looked particularly dodgy at times on Saturday and Barbe had one of two of those ones where he sort of tries to karate kick it in midair and then misses and the ball runs in behind him which I just I can't watching Barbe really raises my blood pressure I just like he's a stressful player to watch Wallace is just a slow, sluggish person who is, you know, always going to be outdone on on that side. And I think teams will, if he continues to play, their teams will exploit it. And I was very surprised at Blackwell's substitution to take off Spence when he did, because he was getting the best of Wallace all game. And to take Spence off with, I don't know, half an hour left, I thought that was ridiculous, a really bad tactical decision. And Asom Belonga had two brilliant chances in the second half where all he needed was a bit of contact, a tap-in and a header. And Borough could have nicked it. So I was dis- I was frustrated because they're not a good team. No, two teams who are chaotic at the back and a bit all, all over the place and a bit crusty. And there's the same issues that we saw in the Forest game was giving them opportunities, which when we're later on in the season and players haven't been playing, you know, ridiculous amount of games in a short space of time, teams are just going to be ruthless and and we're going to concede four or five goals again. But we're lucky that we've played Forest and Borough at home, who were both a bit all over the place and out form. And we're not getting punished for some really terrible um, defending as, as always. (laughs) 
<laughs> what worries me is if I, I sometimes I know what you guys think. When, when you watch these games, you go on limited social media and people, you know, they're really pleased with the way we're set up and they're really pleased with the equipment we're sorted and things together. But I've got to be honest with you, every time Borough or anyone attack, I just, I, I need to go to the toilet because it just, it just looks terrible. And it's even worse on a stream because you can see all the position. Because when I'm at the game, I've normally got my head in my hands. So I just normally go by the reaction of the crowd sometimes. So it's, the defence does need sort of, and I get, we all know that. And I think the manager knows that. He's probably sick of us saying it. But also the midfield, we need to, we need to really stop pressing again. Because there's good players in that midfield. And if we press properly, we can really, really hassle teams. And I was just really upset with that shot by him. I don't know why. It just seems so lackluster and so weak. And it's kind of like, you know, he's better than that, you know. And, and they're all better than that. And I think that's the next level we can get to. I know the manager says, well, but they're not on big wages and everything else. But, you know, we've got some good players. But we just need to get them to believe in themselves. Maybe I don't know. It's just, I think we're playing well within our capabilities at times. Tom Carroll was unfortunate as well. I mean, that ball, that ball could have gone anywhere. And if it hits the back of the goalkeeper, more often than not, it's going to go in. Um, so he was he was unfortunate when he came on. Yeah, I'm surprised he I'm surprised he didn't start. And I think he looks a lot better since when he was last on loan, which you kind of expect, I guess, in the growth that he's had. But I, I think he's actually a really good addition. I was looking forward to seeing Thomas as a bit of a pairing with Dykes. And I think it, there were pockets of the first half where it worked well, and then it sort of just lost its use a little bit and it lost its spark because Thomas does have a bit of pace on him and he was kind of up for taking people on. But yeah, I, I think Dykes was a little bit more ineffective and he was getting sort of double and triple teamed at, at points because obviously Burrow knew that he was going to be the main man and was going to hold up play and be a big threat in the box. So he didn't really get opportunities to be fair. And, you know, Bright says Samuel was the man who stole the show and kind of bailed us out a bit. I think rode a tremendous challenge to, to get that goal. And I just hope that we can lock him down and, and make him sign that contract because he's just going to be so important for us this season. What I don't get with, <clears throat> with Bright and yeah, he was deserved man of the match on Saturday, he's not signed a new contract. Manning's not signed a new contract. Manning is left out of the squad completely. Bright place for the first team. Now Manning's, um, you know, the idea being they're not committed enough. But Manning was committed enough last week to score an absolute screamer against Ipswich and set up two, uh, set up two goals as well. So uh, it's a mystery to me why Manning is not even in the squad. Anyone can help on that one. Well, I think it's because... It's, it's all about stages, as Warburton would say, stages of the negotiations. And I think what he's trying to imply is that either Bright is very close to signing or very far away from signing. And so there's no point and it's about putting him in the shop window or he's going to sign any minute. And with Lumley and Manning, they're so far away from negotiations and, and what each other want or they just don't want to sign. Maybe perhaps Lumley said, I don't want to be here anymore. So therefore, there's no intention, there's no motivation because they don't want to be there or they're so far away in the negotiations. Whereas with Bright, there seems to be some kind of agreement on whether it's the, the contract itself is very close to being completed or there's still clubs interested, you know, we'll figure something out. But when I asked Warburton on Saturday if there are any clubs still sniffing about obviously didn't really say anything um about either of it but it, it seemed it almost seems like they're trying to play in there to either get someone to buy him or any day now we're going to see some tweet that he signed a contract but the problem is the club don't have the money that these players want and so they have to make decisions but I do completely agree with what Clive said last week the tactic of not playing Manning is you know a bit um self you know it's it's a it's a it's so negative and you're impacting the team so negatively by doing that why self-sacrifice like that I just I don't get it well I don't get why he's like I say he played for the under 23s again today I mean he missed the penalty but so be it but um it's it's almost like he's been punished um and then just been left out of the match day squad altogether I, I I just yeah I it sort of baffles me a little bit um Okay, well, let's go on to. Um, you mentioned Lumley there as well. I, I assume just, to that go back to the man, just to go back to the Manning thing. Sorry, uh, Chris Clive. <laughs> You've steady, changed. steady. Um, 
it's it's just a shame. I totally totally agree that it it could be you, you cut your nose off big time despite your face in this one. So, and I, I think that you know we need him, and we're not blessed with um decent left backs or even people that can fill in a left back, which is what Manning centrally is still doing. He's still a midfielder. Um, and I just hope they sort it out because it's just crazy that they can't come to an agreement during this because I'm sure that it's in everyone's interest that the lad stares at QPR and if he does want to get a move, gets back in the first two and puts his value up. Well, and the, I also point- think you end up you end up down a very difficult road where you, you're a manager that has a very clear-cut moral thing on this that, you know, if you committed and you've got the contract, you play. But eventually, you're going to have players that are injured and you won't be able to make that decision anymore. And this whole stance and culture that you've created about having to show commitment is thrown out the window and your control is thrown out the window when you're forced to play players who aren't, you know, aren't in the line again. And it just... Like this is such a risky game to play because you're going to be you're going to you're going to throw out eventually. Well, the, the point I was I was making, and we will get on to Lumley in a second, but the point I was making was that commitment's the issue. Then certainly last week, as I say, he scores a brilliant goal. He was involved in the play throughout. Set up another two. I mean, that that sort of screams commitment to me when you're committed enough to do that for the reserve. Yeah, I think I think we're also missing that foil for Bright. Is that we don't have somebody on the other side who is, is, you know, if Bright's taking up three players, there's nobody coming up the other side, unfortunately, or, or coming in behind him that has got that forward play. I mean, I'm, I'm quite old school. I've got Gareth Ainsworth shot on the back here. I like two wingers. But, you know, we, we, do, we do need that extra foil for Bright when he's being double or triple teamed to be able to, you know, come in on the other side or come along behind him and, and take over. Yeah, no, I, I I I agree with that, and I, I personally would like to see Manning back in the team. But yeah, we we touched on Lumley earlier on. Um, <clears throat> he again has uh, been uh, discarded to the to the bad boy ranks by the looks of it. Um, so Dieng, I mean, re- remarkably, it was his QPR debut, despite uh, as many people claiming to see him players say they were at the Sex Pistols' first gig. But um, <laughs> how, 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 how do we think? Anybody? Yep, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about it. It didn't really... The trouble is, the free headers and stuff that Burrow had and everything else wasn't really down to him. He was he was trying his best. He he, um, he didn't look that nervous, I've been honest, which is a good sign, and he seemed to control the area. And um, but It's hard to judge any keeper with that defence. I think if I was a goalkeeper, I'd probably be in a lot of tablets and just dig a hole and stay there. Um, so it's, it's hard to judge, but he, 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 he looks the real McCoy, doesn't he? His, his stature, the way he commands the area. So it'll be interesting. It'd be a hell of a statement if he comes from the shadows and takes that first team spit. And it's, to be fair, it's his to lose. There's no reason why he can't. Lumley's because of the contract thing, which is fair enough. That's what they want to do. That's what they want to do. Kelly seems to have lost his confidence. So there's a time for someone to grab that with both hands. Forgive the pun. <laughs> that was a very good pun. I think um, it's. I think it's. It, I'm relieved that there were no fans there because there were times when he was playing out out from the back and things were getting a little bit shaky and that is exactly the type of game where fans would have been moaning and groaning at some of the the risky passes that they were playing and they nearly got caught out at, at one stage. So I'm relieved that there were no fans there. I think it's an important thing to get out of the way because he's been in the club for a while. He's 25 years old, never made a first team game so I think this was really important to just get out of the way maybe slowly blend him into it but at the same time the issues with the defence are only going to get more chaotic if we keep moving players around there needs to be some consistency because as much as I get on Barbe's back I mean it's hard to be organised when you've got a different goalie barking orders at you every single week so hopefully if he is going to be the man to, to keep the shirt then at least there's a bit of consistency for the rest of them to to deal with. And you were there, Flo. Was he barking orders? I mean, I couldn't really tell watching it on the screen. Did you? I know you were having to cover the whole game. Did you pay any particular attention as to whether he was commanding his area? Or it's really difficult because where I sit or stand is right by where they play the fake crowd noise. So 
when they're playing it, it's like all you can hear. But when they're not playing it, it's actually normally the coaches that are making the most noise. Um, The coaches are so loud. Uh, So it's quite hard to to hear sometimes from the goalie's perspective. But he he seemed fine. I mean, Lumley is quite loud, to be honest. But he seemed seemed confident. He didn't look nervous. I thought his distribution with the ball was, was fairly good. He had some quick throws out, which worked with bright a little bit as well so i thought yeah he did well and and on that on you mentioned the coaches what what sort of stuff is warburton shouting at can we can you sort of ascertain what's going on is he a guy who like rolls his fingers around a bit more and and, and tries to point and get people can I, just, can I just jump in there a second i could have sworn that when bright ran down the ring from the pass from the back he was shouting did you see that clive did you see that clive but i, I couldn't think of it <laughs> <laughs> um well so because of his situation with his knee, he's doing a bit of a Bielsa sitting on the water cooler at the moment. And it's lot because he's sitting down, it's lots of throwing your hands in the air and then being annoyed and like slang them down on his knees. He's getting very irritated. And um, I think he was a, maybe a little bit disappointed about a lot of the players' decision-making. I mean, aren't we all? But some of the decision-making in terms of the distribution where Dieng sometimes kicked it long and they very much wanted him to play it short from out the back. And then we saw most of that in the second half. And that's when they kind of put the pressure on a bit more. But for, for, there were points where Dieng was sort of panicking and just booting it. And Warburton uh, was very much like, do not do that at all costs. Like, play out from the back, do that whatever you can. But yeah, lots of huffing and puffing. Yeah, and, and just generally, so before we finish this point... Being at the ground itself, I mean, we're not jealous at all, Flo. I mean, how how how, how is it? How is it there? Is it is it weird? Is it is it is it? Does it feel like uh, Loftus Road without all all the kind Prince? No, it's quite depressing to be honest. I think, I mean, it's just not fun. I don't. I know at the beginning to well, beginning of restart, everyone was really keen on it coming back because they wanted to watch football and they also wanted the season to be finished and that was so important in order to sort of like move on in in our lives and move on in terms of promotion relegation etc but now I I kind of don't see the point if you can't have fans I mean I cover AFC Wimbledon as well and obviously they're ground sharing at the moment and I covered AFC Wimbledon 4 Plymouth 4 and I was the whole time I was just thinking man imagine if there were fans here and how amazing this game would be and how some some of the goals in that game as well like people would be talking about that game for ages and no one is there to see it and probably you know a few thousand watched it on a stream and it's just it's just yeah it's just a bit depressing when you're what like and it's I also would hate it if I'm a player like there's no atmosphere there's there's no energy I'm not surprised that they're all sort of playing a bit kind of sluggish because I don't blame them. It's just, yeah, it's just a bit depressing. Yeah, I mean, this. Well, I was just going to come on to this now. Um, <clears throat> not affecting us so much just yet, but the, the, the pandemic on the whole. I mean, we've got the lower league clubs in a. Some of them are in a bit of a desperate situation at the moment. Um, there's all this talk about whether the Premier League should be um, should, should be supporting them, should be backing them up, should be doing more to help them. Paul, what, what's your thoughts on what's going on at the moment? I think there's no question about it. There's, there's, I mean, I'm just, while we're actually doing this podcast, my United have just had a £100 million bid turned down for a footballer. Um, you know, and you, you're talking about clubs going out of business for a few hundred thousand. It just seems absolutely ludicrous that we can't, or the Premiership can't spur some cash from the big boys that without strings, because that's quite important what Clive said as well, without strings to be filtered on the road the, to keep the pyramid going. Because a pyramid... It just doesn't end with you know League Two. It, it goes beyond that, as 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 Richard well knows, because I know he's involved in non-league and Flo covers it, and you cover it yourself, Chris. Sometimes, and it, you know, it's it's all part of the game. We've got to keep it together. I just don't understand why they have to have a meeting about it. It should be pretty straightforward. Um, there's an interesting debate today about it. It's like, well, you know, teams parachute money have already got a head start and so forth and everything else. But I think you've got to rely on CEOs and clubs to be honest and, and, and they what they really need to keep them going and, and then go to the Premier League or go to the FA go to the authorities and say that we need X amount of money and within that structure you also need agents and players not to be so greedy as well and be a bit more realistic and clubs to be realistic as well and 
there's no point, say, for instance, what, what, you know, if the Premier League be like clubs and they're going to spend £10 million on a player, do you know what I mean? It's got to be controlled and everyone's got to be sensible but also be honest because clubs do need this money. And, you know, if, if some clubs get it and waste it, everyone will be judged by that. So it's, it's basically got to be done and it should be done. But the reality is the, the Premier League only really care about themselves. And that's sad because we referred to members of the Premier League and, it, you know, it was never... It wasn't supposed to be this monster. I'm sure everyone says that it wasn't supposed to turn into the well, it's turned into sadly. I think Paul, it's exactly what they, it's, just, it's exactly it's what they wanted. They wanted it to be this monster, and they've kind of got their way in their kind of humongous capitalist ambitions. But yeah, you're right. It's pretty bleak. I mean, everyone's sort of pointing fingers at each other. The the National League clubs are asking the government for, for support. The government are asking the Premier League for support. The Premier League are sort of shrugging their shoulders. And at the moment, the Premier League were having a meeting today, Tuesday, about next steps. And they said it's unlikely anything is going to be agreed this week. And these cl- some of these clubs own, literally only have weeks to decide whether or not they're going to survive this much longer. But for me, I think the bigger worry is that even if there is a package, I mean, how long is it going to last? Because we w- there is no sort of light at the end of the tunnel in this situation. It seems to be n- potentially getting worse before it gets better at this current stage. So even if there's a little bit of money to plug the gap short term, is it going to have a lasting impact? Just don't know because it's just going to run out pretty quickly. And what's been handed out so far, which is an advance on solidarity payments, is just an advance. It's not more money. It doesn't change anything. It's just getting the money earlier. But then that means that there's a bigger impact later on. So just like we've seen on social media and in the news about local institutions, restaurants, cafes, pubs closing, I think what was going to happen is we're going to have lots of discussion about how we can't have this happen. It's really sad. And then we're just going to slowly watch these clubs disappear like the end of Marvel's Avengers film into thin air and fizzle out. Because, And then we'll just be talking about it like it's in a history book. And we'll be saying, oh, that was a bit sad, wasn't it? You know, this week, a, a, a club, a snooker club in Peckham that's an institution in southeast London announced that it wasn't going to survive because it makes all its money after 10 p.m. And there's no chance it can pay the rent. And everyone's really sad about it and everyone tweets about it on social media, but the world just keeps on moving and, you know, we'll be talking about it and then it'll just disappear into the history books. But, and, I, and I truly foresee that happening because even if there is a package, I don't think it will ever be enough to sustain the damage that's happened. And I also think it's utterly ridiculous that in the National League, you've got Weedstone, Weldstone hending, uh, holding a, a stream in their club bar that can ha- hold 50 people in the club bar to watch a game, yet they can't have the- those people in the stadium. I mean, stuff like that. And obviously, you know, most of us in this country know how chaotic the, the government's handling of this has been. But stuff like that is just utterly ridiculous. Like those 40 people being in the stadium isn't allowed, but they're allowed to gather in a pub and watch it together. And Clive mentioned that before about the fact that he was going to be watching the game in the Crown and Scepter, but he can't watch it in the stadium down the road. It's just ludicrous to me. And there seems like simple things that could have been done that could have stopped this from happening. Yet here we are now asking for a bailout when the long-term consequences are already kind of there. What do you think, Richard? Well, it's that, Flo's probably covered most of it there, but it's that lack of an end date that makes it really complicated in terms of what that bailout looks like. Because you could say, well, I know what our costs are and I know what our revenue streams have been for this last year. And you could work out a package maybe for the next six months or next year. But but then what happens in six months time where it hasn't changed and we're still in the same position? I mean, I, I, I find it really difficult. And I, I get the point about no strings attached, but I think there would have to be some strings attached because I think that money would have to pay for wages. Uh, there'll be a lot of clubs out there carrying a lot of debt. You, I don't think you'd necessarily want to look at providing money that's going to finance their debt or things like that. I think you've got to be looking at club staff members and and players' wages in 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 able you know in whatever that bailout looks like. It's it's quite sad though as well because Chris, you've got a case of like. Well, Premier League clubs, if they could have got away with it, would have 
sacked loads of staff without even blinking an eyelid and still playing players 600,000 a week. You know, it's it's absolutely insane that we're, you know, even, I mean, let's face it, Liverpool were going to do it as well, but they, they backed off because of farm protests and stuff like that. They're just... The whole thing seems insane, doesn't it? I, I can't get my head around it sometimes because there is no end date. There is no, we don't know what's going to happen, but clubs are still spending hundreds of millions of pounds and yet other clubs are going bankrupt because they owe a couple of hundred grand, especially like, I mean, Aylesby United, not Aylesby Town, Chris, note, I got the right name. Um, <laughs> things, I mean, their margins, Richard, must be absolutely... Yeah, so I talked to the club chairman about this and, and we were talking about, you know, what would it take to play? So he said, I can probably cover three or four home games, you know, without fans. But beyond that, couldn't, couldn't play games. Now, I've been to two of their games this season because they're, they're allowed, um, they were now allowed up to 300 people in, in the ground. So that they are now get, they're able to get enough money through the door to keep going. Um, for for the time being, unless they you know they lock that down as well, because they you know then then in the non-elite category, I did want to also just link back to one of the previous things we were talking about. Bright, I wonder if one of the reasons why Bright might be approaching, hopefully approaching the idea of a new contract is that he's actually tested the market, and and it may be that the money isn't there, and if he if if that's the case. He may be in a slightly further ahead than either, say, Manning or Lumley, who haven't actually necessarily had any offers on the table. Yeah, oh, no, that is point, uh, very good. And, and also, I think, Flo, what you said about everyone putting the messages on Twitter, social media, and then just sort of sitting by and watching, watching events unfold is so true. And I'm, I'm as guilty as the next person. But I guess the next obvious question is, what, what can we actually do about it to stop this happening? It's what I call the something must be done crew. <laughs> Literally, that's it. Um, and I think there, there's been success with things like crowdfunders before. I mean, this is slightly different, but my friend's um, granddad passed away during lockdown and he was a really big part of Hitchin Town. And he was club secretary, also commercial manager, like right up until the point he died. And they had to raise 25 grand in order to do some construction on their stadium to make sure it complied with regulations and they managed to nearly raise 50 grand through doing that crowdfunder and although that's a bit of a last resort I think things like that do work but it doesn't necessarily work on a bigger scale when you're a club like QPR I know we've all sort of been there in the past where we have actually raised funds to buy players but that's not really a route you want to go down when you're in the second tier of English football which is supposed to be you know a fairly secure place to be I understand why national league clubs might go down that route and do crowdfunders but this is the problem. This is where we're at. I mean, clubs have been surviving based on benefactors for so long with owners pumping money into it that very few clubs are sustainable because that reason, because they got so used to just having everything bankrolled for them by a, like, you know, basically daddy Warbucks from Annie who will just give them some cash when they need it. And what this pandemic has exposed, not just in football, but globally, is how so much of society, and we're going to get deep here, is living you know, on the edge and is just being propped up by very basically tiny sticks. And the same thing is being exposed in football. These clubs have been living hand to mouth for so long or relying on rich benefactors. And also those benefactors are getting poorer because all their businesses are slowly collapsing. So it's just like absolute chaos and you 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 just can't see a way out it's like and that's what's so strange is that you know society is almost crumbling around us but yet on a saturday we're still going to chuck the stream on and watch qpr come out and play a game it's just bizarre like everything seems to be collapsing yet the football bubble just keeps moving and keeps spinning and the games are still being played but all we're hearing in the news is the whole of the efl is about to collapse it's just baffling you know it's really weird as well chris and flo and, and richard it's, it's, it's just driving around as i do for a living um the the non-league clubs and even bars to a certain degree that have gone in the last five years around six years whatever around london it's frightening 
you know, Hendon's guns, nine flats, Barnet's being turned into a school. Um, you know, I did a delivery today and uh, it used to be Edgewood Town played, uh, they've gone by the looks of it. Everything just, they just go and no, no one seems to, to, to be able to stop it. The councils don't seem to fight for the football clubs anymore, you know, because even, it sounds really patronising, but I don't mean it, but every club has a community attached to it and do good. You know, these are, these, these are things that help shape lives and take kids. I mean, Richard, you know that as well from meals, but they take kids off the street and give them something to do. You know, and every time a football club dies and builds flats, I just find it personally depressing. I mean, I'm at an age now where I'm, I'm quite old, so, but the, the amount of football clubs that have died and been built on in London is scary. I, I, could, I could riff on for about the next half an hour about social cohesion. I, it, it's, yeah, it, it, you know, you've got the people going, you've got the kids playing, you know, and then, you know, if they're, or if their parents are playing somewhere, then the kids start playing. And, and you're seeing, you're going to see increasing numbers of, um, you know, people dropping out of sport. Because if you don't have that hub to go to, then you don't get that social cohesion. You don't get the kids and the younger ones then going through and playing for the club. And it's not just football. It's We're seeing it here in Ellsbury with hockey and cricket and all of those things that are suffering for locations to play. And not just the pitches, because the, you're, the, the counter argument is, well, you've got all these schools providing pitches, but they don't let them have clubhouses there. They can't store equipment there. So you're very much, you go to a game and you go home. And, mm. and that's not enough. You need you need to be mixing with the people. And it's like you know going to QPR, meeting or going to the Crown and Scepter, wherever it is you might go. It's it's that social element because it's not all about going to the game, is it? it? In fact, that's just you know I always think that's kind of quite a small part of it. It, it you know it, it's that social piece. It, it's meeting people. It's getting to know people. It's we're social animals. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, it's it's just it's a ritual, isn't it? Going to football. It's it's it's. Uh, it's the chance to catch up with your mates, or in my case, the chance to bond with uh, my, my my teenage daughter, uh, um, and then when I'm there, to chance to, to meet friends. And it's a good job, like we've been a QPR fan, that the, the game isn't the most important bit. Let's face it, because um, uh, we'd have all stopped going long ago if that was the case. Um, now, I mean, we've covered some um, some uh, a lot of issues today and gone in depth them, and some 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 really good opinions from all of you, but. We are sort of getting towards the end. Um, so I wanted to bring in the R's end. And I know Penny, Penny's probably got half a dozen. So I guess we might as well start now. Um, who wants to go first? Can I just say, Chris, as, as this podcast goes on, your, your bedroom's getting more and more lonely. <laughs> You're going to be pitch black <laughs> in a minute. <laughs> Hang on, I'm going to turn the light on. Hold on. I wish you would because it's... it's, it's, it's yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was yeah. sort of aware of, I was aware of that, but we were <clears throat> discussing quite a sensitive subject and... I didn't think that was the time to mention it. I to put the lamp on it. That looked like it was quite a low lit with a shadowy figure. So, yes. Dear, dear listeners, Chris's boudoir is very boudoir, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> right, can we please get to the R's end? I'll, 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 get mine, I'll get mine out of the way. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I said it at the beginning, but thanks to everyone who sent messages. And I think what Finney said last week as well, after obviously the passing of his mum, I think, it was a really great sign of the, the QPR family and the QPR community of which we often don't see on Twitter. We often always see the bad side of the fan base. And I think what was great about the, I guess the last couple of weeks for a lot of people involved in the club is that, and our fans is that there has been some nice examples of people reaching out to show support and show a bit of love and kindness. And I think in these really miserable times that I'm, totally struggling to get through those moments do make a difference and you know it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough old winter so I think it's important that we keep kind of coming together as as a community and you know not not worrying about the football too much which is hard because it's miserable at times but realizing why we love the club and, and why it's so special to us and the club is doing its damnedest to, to do that as well with its work and and everything it did through the community and through the coronavirus. So we just got to keep keep doing our bit. Well said, Flo. Um, we seem to have lost Finney momentarily. Oh dear, how sad. Never mind. Um, hopefully we'll come <laughs> back in a minute. Uh, Rich, over to you. Thank you. I'm, I'm not sure I can follow that up with and do do anything any justice. And I, I suppose the thing I want to mention: the club do do such great things, but. I just felt over the weekend that they've maybe dropped the ball on a couple of their social media things. I, I felt 
really uncomfortable with inviting comment on Sonny Dieng's debut because I, I then had a look at the comments and there were a, a lot of things just slating Lumley again. And I just, I just felt it was I'm really unhelpful on two things because it's just inviting comment on the goalkeeping situation. And it's not going to do a young, relatively, I mean, he's not particularly young, but a relatively young guy making his debut, having that sort of pressure put upon him. We're so, we're not very good at just letting some of these youngsters just come through and play. It's kind of that build them up and then knock them down piece. And I just felt that that was slightly uncomfortable, particularly for a club that usually does really well with their messaging and what they put out and how they present themselves in public. And I didn't really want to do a negative one, but it's just been playing on my mind over the last couple of days. I, I didn't see that, but I agree that's not the best best tactic on social media, given the history in that goalkeeping scenario. But yeah, I didn't see that. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that's the best strategy. And, and on that, I mean, you can guarantee if Lumley had been playing on Saturday, despite the goal not being his fault, then people would have found him to be at fault for it. He seems to have been the... The scapegoat, uh, I mean, uh, no one deserves to be a scapegoat. I know he's had a, a, a few flaps and stuff, but um, I do, do feel a bit for the bloke. Um, anyway, so I'll do my R's in now. Finney's gone again. Um, it's he's... not that. What, what I'm doing, just so as you guys know, right, it's a bit weird. I'm, I'm trying to improve my picture and, cause I look, and I've just realised I need to clean my lens. <laughs> so I'm so cleaning my lens. Off definitely improves it. Is that the lens of your of your computer or your glasses, Squint Eastwood? <laughs> that brings me back to being ten, stuck in the playground with everyone not picking me. Carry on. I always remember you 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 were you were um, unveiled your nickname on the podcast many years ago. And it, I did it when I was. I think do you know what I was thinking about that. You know the way we were talking about Chris. I mean, you weren't here last week, sorry. But we're talking about all the favourite podcasts. I just remember from the early days, and I know Richard's been listening a long time and Flo's been involved in a couple of years. So many of them podcasts, we were so drunk, I'm scared to listen back to them. <laughs> you should listen back to the Mark Bourne one because he wasn't that drunk and everything else. I'm thinking, oh God, does that mean I was drunk then? Jesus. Um, you know, I mean, uh, that's, that's the thing. I'm actually just drinking water. I don't know if that's better or worse. I mean, but I'm for everybody else... Yeah, it's, it's probably worse for me because I can actually remember what I said and cringe about that afterwards rather than cringe thinking, did I say that? Anyway, so my R's end, um, the comedian Dara O'Brien uh, tweeted a couple of days ago, um, this is what he said. So the new cube, oh, that's not, that's not what he said. What he said was, look, you might all know about this, but I drove past it again today and I think QPR renaming their entire stadium in honour of a 15-year-old London kid who died in a knife attack is pretty righteous and doesn't get the recognition it deserves. Um, and yes, got several thousand retweets, several thousand likes, people um, commenting who didn't even realise that, that, that that's what we've done. And, you know, for all the, the, the unwarranted stick we got on Sky uh, the other week, um, I, I, I think that just shows how far ahead of many clubs we actually are. And here, here. Um, my RZ is pretty simple, to be fair. It's, yeah, I've had a shit few weeks. And... Um, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Um, and you know, I just think everyone else who's who's struggling though. You know, just just don't be afraid to ask people to to um to reach out sometimes if you're struggling because I I've done it and people have been very kind about my mum and stuff and I'm I'm not in a good place. So it's it's weird, isn't it? This pandemic is it's like you know you you, you don't realise until you lose someone you, you love so much. Hi. And I know people don't mean it and stuff. They go on about having to wear a mask or they go on and do this and that. It's all great. And I get it. But I don't mind wearing a mask. What I do mind is is, is I can't have as many people at my mum's funeral that I want it and, and stuff like that there, which is which is the downside of it. But, you know, just just be kind to each other. I know I say that and I get drunk and then I'll go on and abuse someone. I, I, I'm terrible at that. But just be kind rather than a wanker is my new theory in life and I'm going to try and live it like that but anyway talk about mum she's been led to rest on Friday bless her um, in Our Lady's Church in um, St John's Wood 11.30 and we're going to the Grand Union pub in Westwood Park at about 1.30 for a drink if anyone is around and want to say hello that's fine I know I was really touched because um, New York Paul pulled me up and he's, 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 he's going to come down to the church and say goodbye to him we never met mum but because his mum's Irish, he, he identifies. So I'm really rapidly here, sorry, but he really identifies with it. But the, the love I've had from QPR fans over this has been, yeah, 
I'll never forget you guys. It's been brilliant. The, the supporters have been well. I mean, we, I know we talked about what happened with Flo last week, and rightly so, rightly fucking so, because that was foul. But yeah, Richard's right when he says there's more good than bad in this world, and we just got to keep focusing on the good. And I'd like to thank everyone that sent me a message, everyone that sent Flo a message, and everyone that stuck up for us because it's nice. But you can also slag us off. Just keep it real. Do you know what I mean? That's that's, that's the thing. I don't mind. Just being do it funny. nicely. <laughs> yeah, just, just do it nicely. Like, why do you still have that Irish Egypt on the podcast? I don't know, and I can honestly say that. But you know, most people are signed, and you know the the the, the club. See, so you've got me thinking now. A negative. I'm gonna. Sorry, Rich. This is your fault. Do you know what? I saw that last week about the debut of the keeper, and I thought I know the first one's going to be. At least he's not Lumley. Three seconds later. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, but I'm sure they went well. But also the video that came out, has anyone seen that video that came out last week as well, where it has like the do you miss QPR type thing with the atmosphere? And I don't know why, but it had my seat on it, for goodness sakes. I don't know what that was about. Talk about ramming at home. Jesus, I was just, this is a Friday, you know, you're sort of like giving things up. This comes out, you're like, oh, that's depressing because I really do miss it. I mean, I've never ever thought that something like this could make you realise how much a community or club is. It's not even about the football, let's be honest. It's just, it's so nice. I just want to get back in the old place again. Miss it so much. Anyway, that's my other end. Sorry for rabbiting. And not thank at all, you. mate. Not at all. And, and, and um, yeah, there's lovely words about your mum. And, 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 and yeah, I, I really do feel for you with this, the pandemic. Um, I mean, on top of... Or everything you suffered, not being able to have as many people you want to go along. Um, yeah, I, I can't, you know, begin to begin to think what you're going through, mate. But um, okay, uh, predictions. We've um, we've got to do predictions before we go. For do you know the weird thing is that you mentioned not going to the games. I'm not as on top of who we're playing next. I have to. I, I actually had to look it up before I could. Normally, I say, "Oh, we got Sheffield Wednesday." Here. Away. Is, that, is that what you were doing in your, your bed, Chris? Going back to the bed reference, you were on your phone a bit and I was a bit worried. So you could just look at the fixtures, yeah? Yeah. Yes. So you, don't, you don't want another phone call with somebody else. At least the, at least the bed uh, brought a little bit of cheer to the podcast anyway, uh, at my expense, which I'm happy to do. Okay, Sheffield Wednesday predictions. Paul, start with you. I think I think it's, a, it's, it's going to be an interesting game, that one, because... They're, they're kind of misfiring a wee bit as well. So, I'd, and yeah, I think we could... I'd like to see us go up there. I'd like, I'm with Flo. I want to see Thomas pushed up front as well. I'd like to see that happening a bit more and him breaking. Set the players free. Let them express themselves. Let them, let them stop the negative defending because we can't do it anyway. What's the fucking point? Just go for it. See what happens. What's the worst that can happen? Uh, I'm going to hit saying that, aren't I? I'm going for 2-0 Rangers and free-flowing attacking football because we're going to release them from the shackles of the defending because we can't defend. Are you going free-flowing, Flo? I like that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, uh, Wednesday had a good start to the season. Then when they got dumped out of the League Cup by Fulham, that's kind of been the start of a poor sort of short run of form so I'm hoping that's going to benefit us they've obviously got the points deduction so there's a lot of pressure on them to to get points quickly so we're away from home so I'm going to take a point and if we could get a clean sheet as well like a nil nil draw I think would be a good confidence boost away from home um so that's I'm going to go nil nil draw which I can't believe that's like a positive prediction that's just so bleak but nil nil <laughs> okay and on the back of what you just said at least uh, Fulham can concentrate on the cup which is a, which is a good thing um okay Richard your prediction for Sheffield Wednesday uh two of my favorite ever keep the other away games have been at Wednesday and we won them both 3-1 so I'll go for 3-1 Okay, well, I, 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 uh, the first prediction I did, in fact, the last time I was on the pod, the first pod of the season, I went for 2-2 against Forest and we won 2-0. So, of course, I'm going to go 2-2 and hope it has the same effect. Um, right, this, everybody. Um, thanks ever so much for joining us. Um, I'm just about to turn in now, turn the light out and uh, get under the covers. So, uh, thanks for listening, guys, and see you soon. You are,